Hi, I'm Angie. And I'm Erin. And we are Curious Couple. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're really excited to be here today for episode two. Yes, so dang excited. Before we dive in, we wanted to check in with our challenge from the first episode. We had many people reach out telling us about things that they'd been curious about or passionate about. It's been really inspiring and exciting to hear back from you all. One listener shared a beautiful story about learning sign language and how it's been inspiring for her family. It's just lovely to hear how curiosity and learning can lead to joy. I absolutely love it. I myself dove into a new curiosity last week, Mm -hmm. the wonderful world of sound editing. (laughs) I had no idea how complex and time-consuming it was, but we figured it out. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit better every day and many YouTube hours under my belt. We're getting there. We are. And look at you. You have a new skill. Brand new skill. No, (laughs) so excited to be here. And why don't you tell our audience what we're going to be talking about today? Absolutely. Today, we're going to be talking about growth and change and a whole lot about rejection. We're going to be talking all about you. Yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Are you ready for this jelly? <laughs> I can't. Oh, she's so ready. <laughs> I, I am excited for... to be here. <laughs> no, we're excited to be here. Um, yeah, like Angie said, we're going to be talking a little bit about rejection. And why don't you just tell us what we're going to be talking about today? Today, we are going to be talking about facing rejection and the pros and cons that come from rejection. I had a good period of my life where I faced rejection almost on a weekly basis. And <laughs> that she did. It was it was a lot for me, but I feel that there was a lot of good that came from it. And I hope that sharing this experience can help you guys in some way or another. And if nothing else, maybe it'll be healing for me. No, I have full confidence that it'll be a healing experience for you too. Thank you. Only good comes from being vulnerable, right? Only good. (laughs) It's scary, but you know, it's good. Thanks for being here to listen to (laughs) my version of events. Okay, so you mentioned that you faced rejection on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. How? I was determined from a very young age to become a Disney performer, specifically in the Disney parks, either in Florida or Anaheim. So I went to Disney auditions as often as I physically could and auditioned to be a performer and mostly the face character or the fur character performing. And there's going to be a lot of of Disney jargon here, so I will try and explain. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to need some insight. We're going to need some some insight. Scoop on the Disney lingo. So when you go to a Disney park, you can meet characters from the films. And a lot of these characters are in what they call fur costumes, which is just basically any of those bigger character costumes like Mickey Mouse or Winnie the Pooh that have the full mask and they don't really speak. They just kind of mime out stories and and take photos. And then you have face characters, which are performers that don't have masks on, but they do have the costumes and they're fully in character meeting and greeting guests or in parades or other performing aspects in the parks. Okay. So I'm thinking Snow White, Elsa, Mm -hmm. Rapunzel, that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And there's there's boys too. There's princes and such. I mean, Mad Hatter. He's Mad Hatter. Dope. He wears a prosthetic nose, though. He does. 
But that thing is awesome. <laughs> you would have been a great Mad Hatter. I would love that nose. <laughs> this was something I had wanted to do since a very young age. And I went all in. I went 100% in audition mode being there. I don't know if it's changed. I haven't auditioned for... It's been about five years since the last time I auditioned for Disney. I know that they've changed a lot of their policies and a lot of in how they handle auditions and how they do character performing. Mm. But when I was involved, they would have auditions fairly regularly for different seasons, for different role capacity. And so I wanted to, if I was going to do it, I was going to give it my all. And so I went there as many times as I could. You did. You were there all the time. Mm -hmm. And I went to one audition with you. I remember that just to see what it was like. Mm -hmm. And it was crazy. Yeah, that there was were so many people there. That was a crazy audition. You came to a Shanghai audition with me. That's right. And there was over 400 people at that audition. Oh, it was madness. And I did not fit in. I was not Disney enough for that group <laughs> of guys that I was with. <laughs> there, there is a special kind of person to be a Disney person. And they're slightly insane. Me being one of them. They're beautifully insane, though. We all have our own <laughs> things that we're insane about. Mm -hmm. I'm insane about Pokemon. And I will die on that horse. So I get it. Yes, you are. You filled the Pokedex tonight. <laughs> <laughs> The special thing about Orlando, Florida specifically, that's where I did a majority of my auditioning. And then I also worked there as a cast member, mm. which I loved. And if life turned that way, I would definitely do it again. But in Orlando specifically and within the theme park world, it is a very specific culture there. And it's different from any other like ancestral culture this is a very specific disney culture people have their characters that they love they have stories that mean a lot to them they talk a different way like everyone can understand the disney jargon saying folks and things like the, <laughs> the two finger point oh the two yes disney <laughs> disney all the point disney -isms. all the disney isms the disney scoop all right i think the best way to tell the story is to start from the beginning so mm -hmm. tell us Ange, what really inspired you to pursue this what inspired you to want to become a performer at the disney parks i think like any other millennial girl growing up disney films specifically princess disney films were a huge part of me growing up and then some of the best moments i had with my family were in the disney parks that was kind of our family vacation we would go to the disney park in california anaheim once a year or once every other year like it was a very consistent part of my childhood and so being able to have those happy moments with my family made a huge impact on me. I love the, the <laughs> this is going to sound so cheesy, but I love the magic and sanctuary I felt within the parks, specifically like walking on Main Street and walking through Fantasyland. Just being able to feel the difference between that and the real world was really safe for me, especially because I am a bubbly, daydreamy romantic person you're beautiful i love it <laughs> i thank you i love you i feel like i could be unapologetically myself me being that daydreamy me being that person in those parks that was a safe place for me to be and it was almost encouraged like when i would meet characters and when i would meet cast members people would love to be with me we would talk we would have these great interactions and that was so 
safe and happy for me to be able to feel that, especially as a young child and in my teenage years as well. Because you don't feel a lot of safety when you're growing up in those times, especially because I'm not cool. <laughs> I would definitely beg to differ on that. But... <laughs> I wasn't cool. <laughs> I was trying to be Sharpay Evans in high school. Like... <laughs> oh my gosh, you were. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was always drawn to the parks and I had a big performance background. So that was my draw to wanting to make Disney a career path for myself. Okay, so you love the parks. You love performing. Mm -hmm. You love the feeling there. What was your first audition? The first time I auditioned for a Disney park, I auditioned for both Disneyland and Disney World. And it was in Salt Lake City, Utah. I was 18. <laughs> I was so young. I barely knew how to drive. It was one of the first times I drove to downtown Salt Lake City by myself. The preparation I did was basically like I did any other theatrical audition. I had done a lot of research on what other Disney performers had put on the internet of this is how you do a Disney audition. This is what to expect. This is what you should wear because there's a million of those on YouTube. Millions. Millions of them. We've watched many. Oh my goodness. And then I had even spent a couple summers before that performing as a birthday party princess. So the off-brand Disney stuff. <laughs> so I had done similar auditions to get those roles before. And I did a lot of Disney research just because watching the how-to videos, they were all like, you need to have this kind of movement. You have to have this kind of voice. So I would rewatch the Disney films over and over again so I could say the phrases as close to the Disney characters set in the film wow. as possible. Wow. <laughs> I sound like a crazy person. No, that's dedication, not crazy. No. You were oh, dedicated. I was. I was. I am. I mean, I'm still dedicated in most auditions I do because of this process. So worked my princess hands i worked my princess voices i was as ready as i could be so i come up to the audition and there was maybe 150 to 200 other girls okay and everyone was super kind super friendly we were all younger girls and we just started with a pretty simple dance routine and then with a lot of disney i don't know if it's this way anymore but with, with a lot of disney auditions they have a miming storytell portion where they basically give you a scenario and you have 24 counts of music to tell this story because a lot of characters that perform in the parks will both perform as face characters so they'll be cinderella one day and then the next shift they work they'll be pluto mm. so they want to see that you can perform as a princess but then you can also perform as these other characters who can't speak stories, so they have to mime them. The fur characters. The fur characters. Yeah. Yeah. So I think my story I had to I had to mime finding buried treasure. So it was just these big kitschy movements that you had to do. And um, after that they measured you. So they would put you up to this big ruler and just kind of see what your exact height was. And after each of these rounds, more and more girls were sent away. And I was in the last group of girls. There were about 10 of us there. 
And at that time, they gave each of us a script or two that had just like a little character breakdown. Like, okay, this is the character. Here's something she would say. And then they just kind of sent us off to corners and just review and say this. So we had about 10, 15 minutes to kind of review what we were going to say. And then they put us in costume. It was like a mini costume. So okay. <laughs> so they, they put us in, in the wigs and like half the dress. And then they put up a little camera and then we recorded the lines we had to say and then they sent us home. And that was the first real audition that I went to for the Disney company. So they measure you, they record you, they send it off. Then what happens? You wait. (laughs) (laughs) In true Disney fashion. In true Disney fashion. You wait and forever. You wait. Sometimes you don't hear anything. With this specific audition, I heard back about a month afterwards. Okay. What did you hear? They really liked my performance. They really liked meeting me. However, there were no available positions for me, so they were going to put me on the bench. Disney vocab here. When you're put on the bench, it's basically like when you're benched in a football game. You just kind of have to wait until there's an opportunity. If there's an opportunity. If there's an opportunity that comes by. You just kind of wait and if you don't hear from them for i think the official bench length is about six months if you don't hear within that time that means that they've moved on and to start auditioning again back to square one back to square one okay so you were put on the bench uh did you hear back in that six month time frame no i did not that was before you moved for your college program yes that was Literally right around the time we started dating. So back in like October of 2011, I did that audition. So you didn't hear about anything back and you started working for the Disney College Program or the CP. Yep. I was a college program employee, basically an intern within the Disney company. So you get all the crappy shifts. and (laughs) You did though. I remember you walking to the bus at 3 a.m. while you were out there and we'd be on the phone. But it was magic. Yep. They will go out to other states in the U.S. and other places in the world to do auditions. But those auditions are maybe twice a year at most, where, especially in Florida, it's such a big park. There's four different amusement parks there. There's Mm -hmm. so many characters there that there's just more need. So I was willing to accept any role. And I ended up working at the Boardwalk Resort, which was beautiful and wonderful And I loved every moment there, even though it wasn't the role I wanted. But I was able to at least be there so I could continue to audition. And did you? I did. I did. My six months had been long gone since the initial audition and when I started working for the park. The character performers are a big part of Disney. Huge. They're very specific Mm -hmm. on what they're looking for. Extremely specific, down to centimeters of your height skin tone and your voice tonation and tattoos moles scars anything like that can be a factor in your audition process so it is it's a lot to walk in all right so you're out there on the college program Mm -hmm. with the crummy shifts walking (laughs) to the bus at 3 a.m doodling characters on the back of receipt paper yes i did that yes you did they were wonderful i got in so much trouble for that (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'm jumping ahead, but that Mm -hmm. seems to be a thread with these auditions is all the hearsay. It is. You don't have definitive facts or definitive 
answers with any of this. It was all hearsay. It was because I think it's because this is such a weird job. Like most job interviews, you get to say something. You get to prove that you have A, B, and C skills. With this audition, there are times where you didn't talk. You were literally put on a number. They would look you up and down and maybe your number got called. And then maybe if you got through the next couple rounds, you'd actually get to introduce yourself. It's such a weird... Because even on like the um, the papers of what they're looking for, they can't really talk about body type or race or anything like that. Because it is so... I think from like a company standpoint, there could be a lot of ways they could get in trouble. So I think the more they keep to themselves, the less risk. They're exposed to. Mm-hmm. Because they can't say, we only want skinny girls that are under 105 pounds. They have to say, no, we need slender. We need fit body types. More coding, more jargon. More coding, more jargon. Mm. Which, I mean, there isn't princess dresses above a size 8. And I only know that because I've been in the dressing rooms. Mm -hmm. It's very specific to physical appearance and body type. They have what they call character integrity within the parks which means that they want no guests to not believe in the magic that's happening. So if they meet Princess Jasmine in Agrabah in Magic Kingdom, and then they go see her in Fantasmic, and they have a great camera that can take a picture of her close up in both settings, they want her to look the same because there's only one Princess Jasmine. Right. Because of course, there's only one Princess Jasmine and she lives in Florida. Right. Right. (laughs) So... They need to have all of these performers look as close to the characters as possible. And so that is, a, like I said before, a very specific role to fill. No, that makes sense. Now, when you were out on your college program, you weren't offered the position. No. No. Mm-mm. Okay. And then what happened? Did the dream end? I got married. <laughs> I popped up. <laughs> Enticed you. <laughs> They won't let me be a princess. You'll let me be a princess. You're always my princess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, That's I've got cute. two others, but you know. I am the queen. You are the queen. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Cringe. That's right. That's when I came in. Mm-hmm. We got engaged. We talked about going straight out to Florida. Mm-hmm. I think at that point, I was so young too. I think I was also hurt by the fact that I had made it so far in the process the first time. And then I think within that six-month process that I was at the college program, I think I'd only been to like four other auditions and I hadn't even made it past the first round. So I think my pride was hurt. Pretty discouraged. I was pretty discouraged. It's like, you wanted me the first time. You thought I was great. Now I'm here. Now I'm doing the work. I'm scooping ice cream till three in the morning. What's the deal? And then I have this wonderful guy comes and proposes to me. Yeah, I'll come back home. We'll have a great little life and I won't worry about Disney anymore. And that's what we did for a time. Mm -hmm. You came home. We got married, started our life together, and we spent a long time in Utah, several years. Mm -hmm. And then what happens next? The Disney bug bit me again. It always does. We went to Disneyland with a couple of friends and I had kind of gotten back into musical theater performing and kind of got my confidence back a little bit. I was able to be back in the park and see the parades again, see the performers. 
be in the parks again and feel those same feelings and I just wanted to try again. And there's always kind of that, I'm getting too old. I'm 23. They're not going to want me soon. Goodness. <laughs> I remember being in the hotel room and pulling up the Disney audition page like the day after we had gotten out of the park and just wanting to try for it again. That page was a favorite, Sanyer. It's literally on my page now. <laughs> you watched that. I do. I know. I know you do. <laughs> it's a problem. So I had started looking at the page again after that trip. And then I continued performing in theater. And then my family decided to plan a trip back to Florida, to Disney World. That was my home. I loved it. And there was literally an audition at the same time that my family was going to be in the parks. So I didn't even tell my parents that I auditioned for it. Oh, I remember. Yeah, me and you, we just went off and you sat in the parking lot like a champ. <laughs> Behind Animal Kingdom. Behind Animal Kingdom. I know that parking lot well. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. I don't know if they hold the auditions there still, but there's the costume department for Animal Kingdom. That is where they do a lot of the rehearsals and most of their auditions for Orlando. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So we're out on vacation. Mm -hmm. We sneak away from the family festivities to go to a <laughs> covert audition. To a co covert audition. We were gone for... I think about three hours. Yeah, it was a minute. It was a minute. And most of these auditions had 75 to 200 people, more or less. And I went in, did the audition. I didn't make it past the third cut and went back to the family festivities, had a great time in the park and didn't want to leave. I ended up moving on my own just to make it to as many auditions as I could. Yeah, the audition season was coming and I didn't get a job transfer. And so we lived apart for several months. Mm -hmm. We lived apart for, how long was it? It was the whole summer. It was the whole summer. So almost four months. Yeah. It was rough. Yeah, we've done long distance several times. That was 2.0 of our long distance. That was 2.0 of long distance. Again, we are Geminis and <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> we can't. We can't settle. <laughs> <laughs> Except for this, I was very determined. I was going to get it. And you went for it. I did. You were out there. We were apart. We were talking on the phone again every night. Mm -hmm. So much of our relationship is based on phone calls, I feel. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. how long distance survives. Yeah. I remember you being out there and auditioning. And I would know when you were going to an audition. And then I would just start watching the clock. The longer the better, right? The longer the better. And I would just wait to hear from you, to hear news on how it went. So hopeful and so determined that it was going to be good news this time. But the good news didn't come. No, it never did. How did you keep yourself up and determined during moments like that? Because you went to a lot of auditions. Near the end, I stopped counting. The last count I remember was uh, 57 auditions. And you kept the stickers from I, every audition. I you... have them all still. Yeah. Every number that they gave you at those things. Yep, because you walk in, you sign in, and you get a number. I went through a lot of different methods, especially because it was such a long period of time. I would say it was probably about a two and a half year consistent audition run. You auditioned the whole time we lived out there. From the when you moved until we moved back together. Mm -hmm. Even when I was pregnant. <laughs> Which is really why we came home. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't regret it. No, neither do I. What kept you going? 
there's a lot of different mentalities. I went from the you gotta want it more than the person standing next to you mentality. And I also went to the, well, if it didn't work out this time, it's because someone needed it more than you. <clears throat> I went through a phase where I was just so not angry, but I was just so determined. I'm just going to keep going until they tell me they're sick of me, until they tell me that they don't want me. Then I'll finally know that it's never going to happen. Because like you said, they wouldn't even speak to you 90% of the time. No, but they knew who I was because they you were at every see audition. me all the time. I think that first audition and seeing myself in the costume, in the wig, saying the words... And then I did get positive feedback sometimes from casting directors and from people at sign-in. So I got little encouragements that yeah. kept me going. That was huge for me. That first audition really <laughs> fueled the fire for many years. I would get great feedback from a lot of the auditions I went to. The feedback was great, but sometimes it was frustrating too. Sometimes it was frustrating because I would... I remember auditioning for one casting director who said, I, I love you. I love your energy. This would be perfect for this character. Come back when they have auditions for this character. And I would literally have been to the auditions of that same character like the week before. Mm -hmm. So it'd be so frustrating. because It's like, okay, I'm here for it. I'm there for it. Can you see that I'm here? And they do. But the timing just never seemed to be right. I think another thing that kept me going, as childish and silly as this sounds, is I believed in the magic. And I still do believe in the mantra that dreams do come true. It's just such a core part of my Disney being. I thought if I just believed enough, if I just believed in myself enough, if I believed that someone would notice me, that it would be kind of a fairy tale story. It's like, oh, this girl did the audition so many times and she finally got it. I was ready for that to be my story. And so I continued to go to each one thinking like each number was just, it's going to be so great when she reaches 200 auditions and on the 201st one is the one she got it. Um, but that was, uh, after a while that kind of crushes you because it's like how many times, how many more numbers until it's the one. Those were the times when I would not be very healthy emotionally and I would tend to spiral. So I wasn't always as determined and as positive as I wanted to be. How can you be though? When you face rejection so constantly, it does, it wears on you. Some of the research that I was doing for this episode and this interview with you was on the psychology of rejection and how rejection literally uses the same neural pathways that pain does in our brain. So our body registers that rejection as pain. So every time you went, put your whole heart into it, thinking this was going to be the time. And that scans. There was times where they did feel like physical pain, which I know it's such a, I don't want to say silly because it means a lot to me. This isn't a life or death situation. This is wanting to get a very, uh, sparkly job but it did it it crushed me so much and it's still really tricky to talk about because there is still a lot of pain associated with it even though it does feel like a frivolous thing it's not frivolous i was out there with you 
I saw you go through all of this. I saw you at the highs when you were determined, when you knew that it was coming, and I saw you at the lows when you were just about done. It was a lot on you. It would be a lot on anybody, though, with any goal or dream that people will try and pursue if you do whatever you can and it seems that you can't figure out the right equation to get what you want. <laughs> yeah. I love you. You okay? You would think I'd be over it after so many years. <laughs> now, like we said, we were out there for several years, and yes. you did a lot more than just the audition. Mm-hmm. You also had a life, you had me, we had family and friends come visit frequently. How did you balance everything? I had two major phases where I had really good balance and really bad balance. When I had the bad balance in my life, it was all just 100% focused on auditioning. When I was at work, when I was with you, that was the only thing on my mind. That was not a healthy choice and not a healthy way for me to be living. When I was able to balance the other aspects of my life, I feel like we grew so much together. We moved to Florida with only a couple of friends. Mm -hmm. We didn't really have family. We didn't really have anyone nearby. It was just me and you getting to build a much stronger relationship together. And you were building a career out there. And I was building my career out there. I worked at the park in the Disney Photo Pass department, and I was able to become a trainer there. I worked with the college program, kids that were coming in and teaching them how to take photos. I was able to be trained in these incredible places within Magic Kingdom. There were a lot of wonderful things that I enjoyed outside of auditions. And then I even got to perform in some of the local theater there in Orlando, which, was, which was so much fun. It was awesome. I'm and still friends with those people. They're amazing people. Of course you are. You made friends at the auditions themselves. I did. Like friends that you still keep in touch with to this day. Uh, we made a lot of new friendships out there. We explored the city. We did. Abracadabra ice cream. Abracadabra ice cream. The lakefront. We found for gators. <laughs> the yes. beach. The beach. We had friends and family come visit a lot, which was super fun because we were able to show them not only the parks, but to show them the fun little bits of Florida. There's even some good Filipino food out there. There are. It was great. <laughs> and we were at the park so often mm -hmm. because you got in at no charge as a cast member. And I did the Florida resident pass, which was a monthly payment plan. Mm -hmm. It was relatively inexpensive. Oh, yeah. We, we knew how to do Disney on a dime. Yeah, we did. We took great pride in that, which we shouldn't have, <laughs> knowing now things that we know. <laughs> yeah, we had a lot of fun. Some of my favorite memories is that little walkway between Epcot and Hollywood Studios mm. and just walking between the two parks with you along the river. That was always a really good time. I know lots of people hate the humidity of Florida, but I love the Florida nights where it's just clear and it's warm. There's a lot of beauty in the parks and I'm obsessed with it. That was fun to see the way that you found joy in other things outside of just the audition process mm -hmm. while we were out there. I think that if you allow goals or dreams to overwhelm everything else in your life, I think it's going to really dampen all the wonderful things that are in front of you now that you can enjoy. I don't think you should give up on goals or dreams, but if that's the only thing in your life, it can get really dark really fast. That darkness did creep in mm -hmm. a handful of times. 
Oh, for sure. Because of how specific they were and what they were looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You would try and match those needs, match those requirements. I did. I was. I was so determined. And I think one of the uglier paths that you can take with this kind of job is the physical aspects of it. Like I never did any crazy scary diets. I never did anything physically ill to my body. But there was a lot of emotional judgment and there was a lot of consciousness in my body and how I looked. And there were times uh, I made some unfortunate choices. I had a period where it was like, oh, it must be my teeth. My teeth aren't wide enough. They're not straight enough. They're not something. So I went through a period where I would sleep with those crest whitening strips to the point where I have no enamel left on my teeth. So I can't drink cold water. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, I was obsessed with spots on my face. Oh, it must be because I have discoloration. I have a mole or something like that. And so I bought a bunch of different aesthetic creams that ended up just scabbing and burning my face to a very painful point. And those are extremes. But I think more damaging was just I was just searching for something to be wrong because after so many times of it not being right, there must be something wrong with me. I was just trying to be what they wanted. Mm -hmm. I feel bad. I feel like because I'm so emotionally charged by this and because there were a lot of really dark aspects that came from it, I make this sound like it was a terrible experience for me. And yes, there were some really difficult times with it, but there were also some very positive and rewarding experiences I had within this audition process. Like what? I met incredible people. I was able to meet all kinds of different performers who are now performers on cruise ships and on Broadway and performing in the parks now or have done other things in their life where they're directing or they're writing or they're creating in some other aspect. And because we were able to go through this emotional process together, we've been able to kind of build that bond. Even if it's just through social media, we have that friendship, which is very special to me. Uh, There are a few girls, specifically I'm thinking in my brain, who I would audition with regularly and a lot of them who did get cast eventually in some of their favorite roles or roles that they always dreamed that they would get. And so being able to see them succeed in that goal and knowing how many times that they had gone, because some of them went more than I did. Yeah. Just to see them succeed in that is so joyous and profound because I know how I would feel. So being able to watch them experience that has been awesome. I think it's also continuing to perform, not in the Disney realm of performing, but in other performing aspects of my life and local theater and semi-professional theater. I have a lot thicker skin, so I can <laughs> so I can go through audition processes a lot easier than I would have. And as a performer, it's so much easier now for me to walk into a room full of... <laughs> full of people I'm trying to perform for it's like oh you can't hurt me I've auditioned for Disney X amount of times (laughs) I got this (laughs) I got this I got this (laughs) but through the process I was able to finally enjoy the audition process and have been able to take that with me as I audition now that perfectionism level has definitely changed from wanting to do it right to wanting to enjoy it. So I think there's a lot of healthy habits that grew from auditioning. And I think every performer, especially any performer who wants to perform professionally, has had to go through this process at some level or another. Of course, I'm thinking of people on Broadway. Auditioning is their life. That's how you get the jobs. Yeah, yeah. 
So you go to audition after audition after audition. We do this for years. Mm -hmm. You know that it's... Fruitless. <laughs> not fruitless. No, I was no. going to say, you know that if you were persistent with it, you knew that it would come eventually. That's what any performer I had worked with, any head of department I talked to, they all told me that I was great, that I was perfect for it. I just had to keep going. Just had to wait for the opening to come. That's what I had to do. Why did you stop? Because I got pregnant. I got pregnant with my little baby girl. That kind of just stopped all those goals. Not because I didn't want it anymore. Far from it. I still want it, even though I know that's not a reality. It changed from, do I want to be working 10 to 12 hour shifts, being with everyone else's kids and making magic for other kids? Or do I want to be the mom I always dreamed of and give that time and love to my child? And that was the choice there. It wasn't an easy choice. No, no. And it kind of came as a surprise, but it was also perfect timing. That's what we needed in our life. And she is magic. She, she is, is magic. <laughs> both our girls are absolute magic. They are. And I don't regret stopping the audition process for that choice. I think I would have regretted it if I had stopped auditioning just because it hurt too much or because I was tired or some other excuse. I don't feel as though I made an excuse. I feel like I chose a different path, if that makes sense. I feel like there's a slight difference between, there's, I don't want to say giving up, but changing your life plans. There's a huge difference between the two. Goals change, ambitions change, life situations change. And when we found out you were expecting our first that became the priority so much so that really not shortly after she was born we packed up and moved back to utah yep we left florida the whole chapter ended it did it ended the disney audition chapter in an alternate universe there's a happy performing angie living in florida for the rest of her life being a disney influencer just <laughs> eating macaroons and baguettes and wearing all the Disney pins. Exactly. 100%. I see it. Yes. And I think that version of me is very happy. But I'm very grateful to be on the path that I am now, having experienced the other side. Rejection still hurts. There are still parts of it where I can still feel that pain. But I wouldn't go back and I wouldn't change it for the reality that I'm living now. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> the rejection does hurt the rejection it's the same as physical pain my brain does not know the difference no and that's why we avoid those situations it's going back to our ancestral roots of natural selection natural baby. selection <laughs> think of it this way being a part of a group for our hunter-gatherer ancestors meant higher odds of survival. Natural selection only cares about one thing. It cares about getting your genes from you into the next generation. And if you have a group with group resources and different skills and talents and abilities, your chances of survival of furthering the race are much, much higher. So any rejection, it's deeply encoded into us to be something that we actively avoid and discourage. And that's why it hurts so deeply. The rejection of the Disney parks isn't the only struggles that you've gone through. Of course not. You faced many. 
but that was an environment. It was almost your refiner's fire. I'm grateful for the lessons it taught me of living in the now because there were times, especially during my dark audition days, where I would just get through the day by daydreaming about what it's going to be like when I get this role. What's it going to be like when I'm finally doing this job rather than enjoying the moments that I had then. Being able to look back on that and understand how much I I kind of missed out on because I was just daydreaming about something else. I wanted to share a quote really quick. Yeah. That I found from Eckhart Tolle because I love him. Who doesn't? People that don't know him. Ah. But we will remedy that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So it says, we are more than the bullet points on our resume. We are better than the sentences we string together into a word salad under the magnifying glass of an interview. No one is rejecting us. They are rejecting a sample of our work, sometimes only after seeing it through a foggy lens. I love that. Me too. Because we personalize the rejection so deeply. And that's why it hurts so much. Absolutely. When we're rejected, we feel as if our soul has been rejected. But in reality, it's not. It's a sliver that we present, which is then seen through another's perspective, another's experience, another's lens. Exactly. With this specific experience, for me, this was the dream. This was the goal. Whereas with these casting directors, this is their job. They see thousands of people all the time. They can't just grant everybody's wish. They're not some fairy godmother. They have a job to do and they have requirements they have to fill. And having met a lot of them and having been behind the casting table myself, I feel so much empathy for them because they're just trying to do their job. They're not trying to diminish you or make you feel small. They're not trying to make you feel any of these heavy feelings. In fact, most of them are rooting for you. They want you to do well. They want to give you the job. If they can, they will. Mm-hmm. A lot of them have been on the other side as well, where they face the rejection. They've been the performer and they are given a bad rap when it's really just your own emotions making you feel small. That right there is a telltale sign of someone who's living purely in their ego, always being the victim, Mm -hmm. always finding someone else to blame. And so, of course, they're going to get blame. Of course, they're going to get some heat. But I remember you would go to auditions and it would say for this character, but they weren't even auditioning for that character. Right. So you would go already and the other girls would show up already and dressed up and, and ready to look like Elena. And they weren't even casting her. They were picking out tiny Tinkerbell girls. Yeah, the whole time they're picking out Tinkerbells. And you're not a Tinkerbell. No. You didn't go to the Tinkerbell auditions. but I'm too tall. Yeah, but you don't even know what they're really looking for. You don't. It might say something on the audition list, but. And I think a lot of that is to protect them. It's another reason they don't necessarily want to talk to everybody all the time. And why they're so elusive is because if they met with every person and knew the emotional value that so many people put into this job specifically because i'm not alone in this experience no there is there's hundreds of girls that have experienced the same niche (laughs) (laughs) it's not that niche (laughs) it's pretty niche. it's pretty niche (laughs) but for me i'm a fairly empathetic person if people came in so constantly telling me how badly they wanted this and I couldn't give it to them, 
Oh, it would drain you. It would drain me. It would absolutely sap you of your energy. No. And who knows? Maybe when they posted the posting, they did need Elena's. And then all of a sudden, oh, we had somebody on the bench. Or, oh, we're actually cutting that next month. So we don't need them. But we need a whole lot of these because we're going to pump this up next month. Yeah. With such a large corporation, you really have no clue what's going on. Mm -hmm. When you're on the outside looking in, you have no idea. Oh, when you're in the inside too. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's clueless. Everyone's clueless. You don't know until you know. (laughs) <laughs> capitalism oh man <laughs> just kidding oh my well we'll have another episode down. where we talk about the disney corporation working in in the parks <laughs> what advice would you give to someone who faces rejection on any level in any field what kind of advice would you have as somebody who's gone through it yourself i feel so cheesy throughout this whole episode i would just say not to give up If it's something that you really want, something that you have a passion for, to not give up on it. Because even if you don't end up getting the end result, you have that dream and that desire for a reason. I believe any goal, any path, any driving force to take you in life is either going to get you to that goal or it's going to get you to something better. You're never going to go wrong by continuing to try. The only thing you can lose is if you give up and then you have that fear of what could have been. You're never going to regret chasing after something that lights you up. I think a lot of that healing for me has happened in more recent years because like you said, we were different people. We handled things differently. Back then I had a lot of jealousy and just more negative feelings towards it. In the last few years, I've been able to really find some closure with it. And a lot of that I think is because of that shame and anger. I've been able to dive into a more spiritual side of myself and understanding the spiritual side of me and understanding how I handle the world has been able to give me a lot of empathy and healing towards those angry feelings I had. So now rather than feeling rejection as a criticism or judgment or anything coming from another person, it's all very more internal for me where it's not a personal thing. Being able to journal, to do yoga, to breathe, to do tarot for me has been able to align myself better and understand that rejection is going to happen in life, but I'm no longer going to let it destroy me like it used to. We're going to continue to face it, but now it's more of a water off your back kind of emotion rather than I'm going to let this destroy me emotion. It doesn't penetrate as deep. No. One thing I've noticed you do too is diving into it. Mm -hmm. shining a light on it versus burying it away i mean that's what this is this is a giant spotlight yeah on the entire experience Mm -hmm. but the shadow can't live where the light is no rejection is just one of those things in life i think everyone faces it on larger smaller scales performers face it a lot any competitive environment is going to have a lot of rejection yeah on your climb to the end result no i think that there is Silver linings and everything. I feel like I'm a very the glass is half full kind of person. Even though rejection sucks, (laughs) we're going to face it at one point or another. So face it head on and understand that you're going to live for another day. And if something passes me by, it's because there's something better coming along the way. I didn't get the role that I wanted. I didn't get the job that I had dreamed about because I got something better. And I love that life for me. Even though it wasn't what I wanted. It's what I needed. And I love that for me and my family and where I've been able to grow. Because I don't think I would have gotten this level of growth doing 
what I thought I needed. Thank you for sharing all this with us today, Ange, for being vulnerable, for sharing the times that have been really hard. And I echo it. You are so resilient and powerful and (laughs) incredible. Everything on your path that has led you to where you are now has made you who you are today. Thank you. Thank you for being here. (laughs) Thank you for being here. And thank you to our listeners for listening to my experience. And I hope it resonated with some of you. If not, thank you for being here as part of my healing journey. A lot of this I had not thought about for years. So there's a lot of weight that is gone from my shoulders and from my life because I've been able to share this with you. So thank you. All right. The last thing that I wanted to do before we sign off for today, Ange, if you remember last week, we gave all of our listeners a challenge, Mm -hmm. something we hoped would help inspire new creativities in their life. I'm wondering if you have a challenge for the listeners that we have today. Yes. Going back to our theme of rejection and facing rejection, for those listeners who are prompted to, I feel like you could look at a time that you had rejection or a challenge in your life and I challenge you to take some time to ponder it and journal about it and see if you still have any emotions or any feelings that are still tied to it. And hopefully on some reflection, you're going to be able to find some some healing and some joy in seeing how far you've been able to come. That's beautiful. Thanks, Ange. Well, friends, that's all we have for you today. All we ask now is that you stay curious. Stay curious. Thank you so much.